Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back, and let's go talk to Nate Zielinski and see if he can get me in a better mood. Nate, you were talking to Karen, so you didn't get to hear my rant about sensationalized headlines. I, I get so tired. I was talking about zombie deer was the big headline, which is chronic wasting disease, which we deal with in Colorado and have been for years. And the other one was somebody was trapped in the mountains, but they survived for two days by eating caterpillars. So <laughs> now, now, now you've heard the end of my rant. We don't have to get me in a better mood, Nate. <laughs> You can't be grumpy, Terry. Come on now. It's spring. Everything's happening. You know, now is the time of year where I'd say all sportsmen can be happy. You have a lot of people, Terry, that don't ice fish, right? And obviously when we get these really, really late winters, these late ice seasons, you get a lot of people that are grumpy because they can't, you know, go out open water fishing. But I'll tell you, we had a a massive blizzard obviously hit Denver. I think everybody uh, was aware of that. Um, but with that blizzard came some extreme wind, um, you know, like Littleton in certain areas had gusts up to 90 miles an hour, and it absolutely destroyed the ice in the front range. We literally went from ice fishing on Chatfield Cherry Creek on Monday and Tuesday to where literally I could almost fish the whole lake on Monday, Tuesday on Chatfield Cherry Creek uh, to now these lakes being broken up, ice chunks floating around, lots of open water. Uh, it really uh, it really put the spring into 100% of boost um, as far as uh, an, an early spring and ice out uh, hitting us. So we're going to catch up on that ice melt very, very quickly now. Um, and opposed uh you know a couple days ago i would say that we were literally five to six weeks out for boating which would put us almost in the latest you know spring we've ever had in history uh but now we're gonna uh you know it'll start that flow much faster due to those high winds so uh you know the spring walleye bite is right around the corner and for those anglers that want to go throw jerk baits from shore um there is now a lot of fishable water especially around the denver metro area all the smaller ponds are open now uh again your bigger bodies of water have certain pockets of open water you can fish so uh we literally jump started in the spring due to a uh, massive blizzard. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Nate. In fact, uh, later on the show, I'm going to talk to one lake that'll be opening for boating in just two weeks. Another one that's opening today. We talked to Lathrop State Park, which is already open, and of course Pueblo's open. And I think Cherry Creek and Chatfield won't be far behind with the weather I'm seeing out there. But I also want to talk to you, even before we get into that, you and I did an article on catching big trout. It could be from a boat or from shore. We did that over a year ago, but I, I wrote about it in the Denver Post, and I reposted that on my Facebook page, and it was catching big trout. And you claimed the biggest trout you catch all year came at that ice out during these front range lakes. It really happens again, you know, Terry, and most of mine, I hate to say it, are accidental. I get so focused on walleye this time of year. You know, we have giant pre-spawn fish. We have big post-spawn fish. Um, obviously, people can target spawning fish. So we get all these big, you know, relatively speaking, good bites associated with the walleye. So I spend so much time at, like, Chatfield this time of year, um, you know, focused on those walleyes. And we're out trolling planer boards with, with stick baits and casting jerk baits. And as a bycatch, we catch literally some of the biggest trout that we see all season. And that's both rainbows and browns. So we get, again, you know, depending on your natural fish versus your stocked fish at like Chatfield, we have pre-spawn and post-spawn of these big rainbows, and you get 
you know, browns are just up feeding in those same shallow waters. Um, and we get some giant fish this time of year um, on the front range as far as those big trout. And again, we're very rarely ever even targeting them. It's just a, a bycatch. You could probably really do some uh, some serious damage on those fish in the focus point of actually targeting those fish. Well, and if you're waiting for those lakes to open, these are fish that are very accessible from shore. Oh, absolutely, Terry. I mean, whether on a boat or from shore, you're going to be targeting the same exact stretches of water. You know, anywhere, like Chatfield's nice because you have so many flows. So you go to Chatfield, and you literally have uh, the, the Deer Creek water coming in, which is going to be located between the Swim Beach and Eagle Point or Eagle Cove. That water flows right now after these big storms like this. So you get rainbow staging and stacking up right in there. You literally have a, a little drainage kind of by the north boat dock. It's literally a waterway that comes off of Wadsworth, and there's a concrete little spillway, and that creates flow. And those big trout hang around there. You have the Plum Creek access that has a lot of big trout cruising in. You have to take a hike to get in there just for the fact that a lot of it's closed to the construction. Same as the South Platte. A lot of that's closed, but you can definitely hike into there. Um, and all of those areas right now are holding big trout uh, as they come in. You get two things that happen. Like I said, we see the spawners in there that are in there right now. I mean, some of these fish are even done spawning, those natural fish. But then your fish that have been stocked are just starting to cruise in there to kind of go through their you know, spawning effects, per se. The other big thing that we get, we get walleyes up in all these spillways spawning, but the big draw is we get suckers in there. So we get a ton, a, I mean, literally thousands and thousands of suckers that run into these current flows to spawn. They usually kind of follow the walleye, but some of those suckers are already in there, and those big suckers are the things that draw those big, giant browns. So we get some massive brown trout, I mean, up to 30 inches, um, and they're in there feeding on those suckers. So, again, go to those current flows, um, even like the north boat dock where they've stopped trout, those fish will return there uh, to spawn. So there's a lot of access, and again, whether you're from shore or from a boat, we're all cast into the same water. If I'm on a boat, I'm casting ashore. If you're on shore, you're casting out towards where the boat would be, but it's all that same, you know, 100 feet from shore where most of these big trout are getting caught right now. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a neutral effect if you have a boat or you're uh, fishing from shore, per se. I know there's a lot of other things you want to cover. Real quick, though, I want to mention, several years ago, I was fishing some of those current flows you mentioned. I fished for two or three hours. I only caught six fish at Chatfield. The smallest was 22 inches. So put that, think about that, six fish between 22 and 27 inches in about two and a half hours. I mean, it's incredible what can happen happen now. Let's move on to some of the other things, though. I mean, people need, go read the article. Go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And uh, I think it's also tagged on Nate's page if you want to find it there. At least I know it's it's on, uh, Will came on and shared it. So Will... It's out there. Go read that. We did a good thing. But you're, I'm sure you're wanting to get ready for walleye, and you're probably finishing up some of the ice fishing. So kind of bring us up Absolutely, to speed. Okay. I'm actually calling in from, from the great state of Utah here at the ISD show doing some seminars. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to get home. My new boat just got delivered, so I'll be rigging my boat this week and just anticipating those, uh, you know, the Chatfield Cherry Creek's opening for ice off. But we want to talk real quick about the walleye action that you can do from shore. Um, again, you know, fishing, you can fish the rocky areas in a low light period, and those are really going to be targeting those spawning fish. Um, you can walk out to, to points anywhere where you have drop offs, um, and you're going to be targeting those pre spawn even a hint of a few post-spawn fish at Chatfield right now. So really from shore, you have opportunities at, at all the varieties of the spawning fish, the pre-spawn, the spawn, and the post-spawn fish at Chatfield right now. And one of the unique things we have right now, again, it's late in the season, it's middle of March. Um, you know, we saw fish 
that were, you know, kind of going into those spawning cycles in late February. Again, every year, chatbill seems to be going a little earlier just because we've had some previous really early ice-offs. So our fish are getting ready. They're staging. Everything's a little earlier at Chatfield than some of the other lakes. With that being said, normally right now, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is doing their netting operations for the spawning walleyes. Um, it's a great program. It really keeps our walleye populations alive, so we love it. Now, with that being said, they interrupt the natural spawns of these fish. Now, they don't naturally really have success in their spawn, but they interrupt kind of the migrations of these fish, and they catch them in their net and do the process to keep our fisheries alive. But with that being said, they, they kind of, you know, they again, they put a, a breaking point in that cycle. Right now, they have not been able to access that to, to do their spawning operations um, just because of so much ice. So right now, these fish are kind of going into a very natural spring with no interruption. And it is really going to make that shore fishing phenomenal um, until they can get out there with their boats and start their netting processes. So you can go into places like the North Boat Dock at Chapel, and as all those you know, rocks start breaking up, you have more fish on shore now due to the fact that that spawning operation is not taking place. Right now, the, the options and the availability to catch walleyes from shore is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I suggest everybody... Grab a jerk bait, go out in low light early, you know, early in the morning, late in the evening. Those low light twilight periods, um, fishing jerk baits, even fishing, you know, small swim baits that you're swimming off point. Um, you have some unbelievable opportunity to catch a lot of fish right now. Well, I couldn't agree more. And when I and you don't, you're right. You don't have to carry a ton of tackle down there either. When I go, when I I don't fish them as much as I used to, but I used to go uh, several lakes around the uh, around the U.S. really, and I would go and fish that those pre-spawn walleyes and those post-spawn walleyes, and we'd wade out at night sometimes in our waders or fish from shore. We always do better from shore than a boat, actually. And a jerk bait, like you talked about, I'd maybe take two or three different sizes or colors of jerk baits. And I like to throw a jig there, but if you, you're going to be in the rocks, so if you're going to throw like a jig and a gulp minnow or a jig and a curly tail, um, you you got to have a little bit of sense of what you're doing or you'll lose a bunch of them. But if you want to throw that jerk bait, you won't even really get hung up. Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, what I'm doing is I'm throwing a lot of the jigs and the paddle tails on the point, more for those pre- and post-spawn fish. So you go to, you know, any point that's kind of extruding out into the water, um, you know, not necessarily as heavy on the rocks, and you're going to catch a lot of those pre- and post-spawn fish. Uh, and I, you know, I'm trying to bulk things up. I love using like a kind of a bulkier three-and-a-half-inch plastic, uh, you know, maybe a big paddle tail instead of a twister tail. Just so it looks bigger, gives a little bit more option of a good food source to these fish. And then the jerk baits is when I'm a little bit closer to those rocks, really more targeted those the tail into the pre-spawn and the spawning fish that are moving up onto those rocky edges um and exactly I, you know i usually stick with like a four to four and a half inch size bait i've been throwing a lot of the berkeley cutters lately um it's got a little bit more of a shallow lip than some of the other jerk baits out there you know the spawning fish the actual spawns happening in two feet of water um so when you're on shore a lot of guys take these big bombing casts out deep but most of your action is going to come literally at your feet right on shore so i run a shallower running jerk bait something that i can cast kind of parallel to shore you know so i'm casting out at a 45 to kind of stay in that strike zone you're going to catch your fish in that two to four feet of water um so a, a shallower option of those jerk baits is great and again you know look for a jerk bait that uh you know is somewhat affordable so if you do get hung up and you do break a few baits off um you're not going to break the bank in this type of situation um so again that that's kind of your key techniques and the big thing 
slow everything down. I just did a seminar here in Utah about jerkbait fishing. And, you know, you, you watch stuff on TV and you read magazines and everybody sees guys working jerkbaits fairly aggressive. But a lot of times people don't think about when they, they are presenting a jerkbait. You know, if you're out there in summer, you can really get after a jerkbait, create a lot of noise, a lot of volume and and, uh, you know, really draw those fish in. This time of year, when that water is 36, 39 degrees, and maybe it's a hot day and it's 42 degrees, the water's cold. Slow things down. You know, your retrieve in between the jerks is very slow. Your twitches, hop that rod tip six inches, eight inches. Everything is on a minimal scale right now, um, and that's really going to be the big key to success. If you're really getting after the big, hard jerks, a lot of times it's just too much for those fish right now, especially the spawning fish. Your goal is to put it right in front of their face, um, and when you're doing those big jerks and those big twitches, a lot of times you just pull it right past the fish. So you're going to go out there right now, Twilight, um, slow things down. I mean, make it almost a boring presentation, um, and those are going to be the keys to success. I mean, you think if we're on our boat trolling, which is a lot of success, right now you know we're dragging these baits with no twitches no movement and we're dragging them at 1.1 miles an hour 1.2 it's as slow as can be the bait barely moves and the fish absolutely love it keep that cadence when you're working it from shore everybody gets a rod in hand and they tend to really overdo the action slow it down make it boring and i promise you you're going to catch a lot more fish with that style uh technique and, and approach um than really working that bait hard and aggressive nate we are out of time but i imagine you guys are starting to get ready to book your walleye trips Absolutely. You want to, uh, I would definitely say get on this calendar as soon as possible. We definitely have some uh, limited availability this year just for the fact that we're essentially, we lost out on three or four weeks of the boating season. Uh, so we're doing a lot of schedule changes, things like that, but we would love to get you out and teach you the front range walleye. Uh, go to tightlineoutdoors.com. We can get you dialed in and uh, make you a little bit more successful as an angler this year. All right, my friend, we will talk to you when you get back from Utah. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zelinski, always great. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones and joining us at an event that I'll bet on Wednesday he wondered if it would possibly take place. Brad uh, Peterson is at the St. Brain Fishing Day. At least I hope he is. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. I am here. And how uh, it's beautiful out. I was a little nippy this morning, but how are things going? Good. Uh, like you say, it was a little chilly this morning, so the event started at 9, but the the crowds took a little bit to get here, but uh, it's 10 o'clock now, and uh, we're getting good crowds. There's a couple different seminars going on. Each one I'm looking at probably have 20 to 25 people at it, people walking around looking at a bunch of the booths. Uh, Eagle Claw's here. I've got a booth. Uh, Biobait, Shields, State Park, so it's a it's a fantastic event if you want to come out, learn a little bit about fishing, get out and enjoy the nice weather. I mean, speaking of fishing, I imagine those ponds are mostly open water. Or are they catching some fish? You know, uh, almost all the ponds are completely open. There's a few little backwater coves that got some ice after our, uh, our reminder that winter isn't completely over earlier this week. But the trout ponds are doing real good. The warm water ponds still are, are a little bit on the slow side. So if you're going to go out, I would definitely target, you know, Sandpiper and Mallard and some of and Coot out here at St. Vrain that have the trout in there, and, and you're going to be able to catch quite a few fish. How long are the activities going on? 
the event runs until 2 o'clock, and then I'm going to actually stick around and do a little meet-up. Anyone who wants to show up about 2.30 at the Blue Heron parking lot and wants to do some fishing, we're going to go do a little fishing afterwards. That sounds fantastic. And, you know, one of the best opportunities to fish this time of the year are these trout right off of shore because they're moving in there to try to spawn. The rainbows are, the browns are following them. A lot of them were stocked. They go back towards the area they were stocked in the pond. The water's a little warmer by shore. The bug activity's going. And you don't need complex equipment to take advantage of it, Brad. No, you don't. A little jig, a little spinner, maybe a float, and you're going to catch plenty of fish. You can have the... All your tackle in a one-gallon Ziploc bag, and you're going to have more than enough. Well, you know, one of the things I've been preaching this whole year is that we had on and off again ice, even though the winter came and didn't want to go away from through February. We had a warm spell in January that caused some concern about the ice. So we haven't had nearly the ice fishing pressure we normally get in a typical year. And a lot of these places, like St. Verain, are heavily stocked in the fall to accommodate ice fishermen and spring fishermen. Not only are there a ton of fish that haven't been caught left in these, they've grown some, and they haven't been harassed for a while. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah, I talking to the ranger out here, he said there was maybe three weeks that people were on the ice this year, and normally they get at least eight weeks of fishing. So, like you say, there's there's fish here, you know, a lot of the other small ponds along the metro area that got stocked, there's there's a ton of fish available for people to get out. And these fish, you know, trout will grow over the winter. So they might have been stocked at ten inches you know, in the fall, they may be 12, 13 inches spring or in the, in the next few weeks. So you're going to be catching a real nice fish. They've been out there for a while. Uh, if you want to keep one, they're going to taste good. They're going to put up a good fight. It's a great opportunity to get out and help uh, maybe do a little bit of a cure for some cabin fever. Now, one other thing before we run out of time, I really want to get to, and that's one of our favorite lakes up north is opening for boating, I understand. Yes, Boyd, I talked to the Rangers earlier this week, and at 8 a.m., Boyd was opening for boating. They're going to have the inspection, the A&S station open. They are putting the courtesy dock on the main marina ramp this morning, and they weren't sure how long that was going to take. So they were going to send people to the north boat ramp while they were working on that dock, and once the dock is put in, um, you'd be able to launch right there in the marina. But the AMS people will be able to steer you in the right direction. And inspections will be from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. through March. So if you're itching to get your boat out, this is probably the closest location to the metro area right now to, to launch a boat. And uh, there is some pent-up demand. I tell you, a couple weeks ago, I didn't know that we'd be getting any boats on by this time. And it, it's um, are we finally putting winter behind us? My fingers are crossed that we are, but this is Colorado, so I have a feeling we're going to get one or two more reminders before we're officially, before it's officially in the rearview mirror. But Boyd is open for boating, so if you just, we're going to have beautiful weather the next few days. Get out, take advantage of it. Any tips for somebody hitting Boyd if they want? Would you go after the trout, the walleyes? What would you do? The trout, you know, I'd kind of target some of that shallow water area. Uh, boy, the ice fishing pressure was really hard in the Marina Cove this year. That was where most of the safe ice was. So I would kind of avoid that area. And 
maybe go up to that north cove um oftentimes people are getting bass and a few walleyes early in the year right up there or on the south side that big south point you might get some walleyes and trout moving up in that area so i'd i'd really be watching my temperature gauge try to find some warm water and uh just just fish right in that area are you going to be booking any trips on those lakes through the year Yep, I definitely will be on Boyd and Jackson and working on a few more uh, lakes up in the Northeast region, just waiting to get the final approval. So if people are looking for a trip, they can contact me at um, Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we have to let you go, but you'll be officially at St. Varane Ponds with the activities tell too, and then you're going to stay after and do a little fishing. People need to get out there. And there's seminars, there's booths, and there's fish being caught. So get out to St. Varane or go put your boat on Boyd, right? That is, that's a great plan for the rest of the day. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Terry. Brad Peterson. We're take a quick time out. We're going to go to another Front Range Lake that hopes to have their boat ramps open April 1st. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, I couldn't start talking until they got those guitar licks in. That organ starts out, but this is a true rock and roll band. you got to let him hit that coming right now. I know Mark Coughlin's waiting, but he won't mind. He's a good guy. There we go. Dire Straits. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. On 104.3 The Fan, and we will now go right to the phones, where my good friend is waiting patiently while I listen to music, Mark Coughlin from Larimer County Parks. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. As my dad would say, you don't walk out on Frank Sinatra either, so yeah. I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's two bands when they're playing the bumper music, uh, the Eagles and Dire Straits, that you got to hit a certain point in the intro before you can leave the song. <laughs> yep, I agree. It'd be, it'd be disrespectful. Yeah, exactly right. Um, well, we've been going through the day, and, you know, we had this storm come through, and everybody thought the lakes were going to refreeze, but the wind tore up the ice, and people can't get out ice fishing, and there's some shore fishing going on, and everybody's going, where can I go? When can I get on my favorite lake, either from shore or a boat? So we thought we'd check in on the Larimer County Lakes, and you could give us an update of what's going on now and how soon we can launch a boat. Yeah, it seems like everyone I talk to now has cabin fever. Um so I completely understand, you know, we're going to open up in Larimer County. So Horsetooth Reservoir and Carter Lake, we're going to open up April 1st. That's our traditional opening update. Um, that's when our ANS inspectors on board and they're up and going. So we'll open up uh, April 1st. No joke. We'll open up April, April 1st. And our hours the first month for the month of April will be 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Down at Carter Lake, there'll be one ramp open. There'll be the North Pines ramp will be open. And then up at Horsetooth, um, we'll have Inlet Bay open and South Bay open seven days a week, um, both those both those reservoirs, um, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Then Satanka, which is the far north end of Horsetooth Reservoir, will be open just Saturday and Sunday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Just because it's not as highly as used um, ramp as the, the other three that we have at our reservoirs. Now, one of the things at Horsetooth is people 
love to fish it at night. There's been traditionally some good night walleye fishing there. And the last year or two, that's been difficult because of the inspection. You have got a solution, if I'm correct. Is that right? I do. You know, the Bureau of Reclamation, who owns the reservoirs, um, Horsetooth Reservoir in Carter Lake, it's part of the Colorado Big Thompson Water Project. You know, they're mandated um, to, when they have reservoirs open for <clears throat> for boating, there has to be an ANS inspector present. And once those inspectors go home, the reservoirs have to be closed. Um, there was some flexibility in the past, but last year, um, you know, they, our area got mandates from higher up that they can no longer do that. So we had to close the ramps. And what happened was we didn't have a good exit strategy for people who, who were on the reservoir after 10 p.m. or one of those ANS inspectors closed to get out. So we worked really hard with uh, the Bureau of Reclamation and Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District who helped fund the project to, to put in some gates. They're kind of like one-way gates. You know, I grew up in Southern California, and all the beaches and all the parks out there had these kind of road fangs. You know, if you, if you drove over them correctly, they would just they would collapse down. But if you went the wrong way, they'd flatten your tires out. So we kind of took that theory. We're, we're putting some gates in, one at South Bay at Horsetooth Reservoir and one at the North Pines ramp at Carter Lake. So... If you're on by the time the ANS inspector is leaves for the day, you could stay on as late as you want, and then you could exit. But obviously, you can't get in, but you could certainly exit. So those are really the only two parking lots we have that are conducive to have that kind of traffic pattern. Um, so that that'll take place. But you're right. Last year, you know, people couldn't stay out past ten, or they could, but once you were on the reservoir, you had to stay out all night. So that's gonna be a lot more. That'll allow a lot more accessibility to the. Anglers, specifically, obviously, walleye anglers we're talking about, that that'll benefit the most. Now, if I stay out all night, I really need an excuse for Karen looks hard at me. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So, But no, it is. You know, and traditionally, there's been some big walleyes. There's been a middle-of-the-lake bite. And um, we don't know how that's going to proceed this year. But um, uh, the fishing, the walleyes were fair last year, I would think would be a, way to, a good way to put it. But the smallmouth bass in that lake have just... What a bonanza, Mark. You know, several years ago, Field and Stream rated Horsetooth Reservoir the best, one of the best fishing reservoirs in the West. I think even since then, the, the smallmouth bass population specifically has really taken off. Not only seeing large numbers of fish where a guy could go out, a guy and his partner could go out for um, a day and catch 60 to 80 fish, uh, but now we're seeing the sizes go up. We're seeing a lot more fish in that 16 to 19-inch range. Um, it's not the majority of the fish, but you have a really good chance of catching a 17 or 18 inch um, smallmouth bass that weighs, you know, around three and a half, four pounds. So that's a really decent smallmouth bass for anywhere. Oh, incredible. I don't know if you saw the Facebook post. It was a while back that Karen and I did where we went out just one evening for just a two, three hours and more or less checking some equipment in the boat. And I found a flooded point that I marked some fish on. So we decided to fish it and we probably caught oh, I don't know, 12, 15 fish, but we only caught three that were under 16 inches. Yeah, I think that that's a tribute to, you know, the, the rainbow smelt coming back in the reservoir. And when that happened, they're, they're pelagic fish, which means the walleye primarily are following those, those fish out. So those walleyes are coming off the shorelines, um, so they're not preying as hard on the, on the crayfish and other smaller fish. So it's, it's allowing those really, those smallmouth um Species that, you know, they, they kind of associate to rock rock structures, points, islands, as you alluded to, 
um, it's really benefiting them now as well. Now, we haven't got a lot of time. There's a great panfish bloom at Horse Tooth, too. Um, but what's going on? Just take us through right now. You're opening April 1st at Horse Tooth and Carter for boats. We'll get some fishing updates. But how about some of the shore fishing from both those lakes and Pinewood and Flatiron? Is that available right now? It is. Um, you know, we're open all year for shore fishing. Um, you know, we've had more ice this year we had in the past few years. So, but the ice is coming off Carter Lake's open quite a bit. Horsetooth Reservoir is still about 70% ice. Just, you know, as, as you alluded to, the wind has really broken that up pretty well. Um, Pinewood Reservoir fluctuates quite a bit. So, it ices up, it'll start opening up here soon. And, you know, Flatiron Reservoir as well. The, the shore fishing for, for trout at Pinewood and Flatiron Reservoirs are great. And then, you know, as it starts, starts to warm up here shortly uh, the, at Horsetooth and uh, Carter Lake, there'll be some good shore fishing for, for trout as well. And, and some bigger trout, you know, the kind of holdovers from, you know, stockings 10 years ago. And some big walleyes in both those lakes, too, from shore. You know, there are, especially, as you know, during the spawn, which is, you know, we talked about this earlier this week, you know, that spawn is starting some reservoirs, um, you know, Parks and Wildlife is trying to get out and do the walleye spawn and capture those eggs for, um, to raise those fish. It's been kind of hard because of all the ice, but, you know, as the ice breaks up, um, our reservoirs, Carter Lake and Horsetooth are a little bit higher in elevation, so that spawn starts a little bit later. But, yeah, as soon as they start, that spawn starts, you know, you'll find the fish um, along the rock areas, points, dams, um, and the inlets as well. All right. My friend, we have to run, but good news, April 1st. I tell you what, folks, look at the sunshine outside. Get those boats ready. Mark, I think everybody has moved on from winter, and we are ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time, Terry. All right. Thank you, Mark. We'll have to get together soon. Mark Coughlin from uh, Larimer Parks. We're going to take a time out. Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and he's going to talk some early spring fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part... By Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And you know what? The only dealer you should ever go to if you're thinking about a motorcycle or an ATV. What almost any brand you want, almost any style you want, and just good people with great selection and the best pricing that you won't even believe. Just go to sunent.com or on Facebook and check them out. And we're going to go to the phones now. And Ronnie Castiglione is going to help us check out some upcoming bass fishing. Is that right, Ronnie? That's the deal, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? Well, good, but there's no bass in Colorado because you and I fish for them everywhere and we don't catch any. <laughs> bass? No, we don't have any of those. Don't, uh, well, don't, actually, don't Terry, we catch every- a lot of them, you know, Terry. Yeah, don't tell and, everybody. Uh, <laughs> no, we want to share it. There are, you know, Colorado doesn't have a reputation for being a great bass fishery, but it's really been coming on, Ronnie, and there is some tremendous bass fishing in Colorado, isn't there? Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, bass are some of my favorite fish to uh, target. There's no doubt about it. Uh, with a lake like Boyd opening up, you know, I'm getting the itch right now to get out and get out there and target some of those largemouth. Uh, a lot of the ponds around Fort Collins here in northern Colorado also blew open. You know, that, that bomb cyclone, like I like to tell people, didn't just bomb us. It bombed the ice off all the water. So, 
Uh, you know, these ponds are opening up, and it's an excellent opportunity to get out. And I can tell you, historically, some of the largest largemouth that we see caught every single year around the state get caught really, really early in the year. So it's a definite good time to get out and start scouting out bodies of water. And, and the other thing people want to keep in mind is that these bodies of water will change dramatically this time of year. Just because you head to a lake maybe this weekend and, and you may not get any bites or something like that, that doesn't mean that next weekend those fish aren't going to be ready to go. So it's it's that time of year. It's time to get out, uh, walk the banks. You know, if you can drop a boat in, get it done. But the, the largemouth are definitely going to start playing here pretty quick, Terry. Well, you know, I, I want to uh, expand a little bit on one thing you said about this time of the year. We see virtually for a, a huge number of species, many of the biggest fish of the year caught in spring. We also can see days where the bite is unbelievably good. But spring is a fickle time, and you've got to put your time in. And no matter how easy or good it seems one day, the next day you might not get a fish because the conditions change and it affects the fish so radically in the spring. But, boy, the opportunity is definitely there for bigger fish, Ronnie. It really is, Terry. And, you know, this time of year we get out and we throw a lot of artificial presentations for those largemouth. And, you know, I wanted to go over some of the ones that I really like to, you know, utilize this time of year and also talk to people a little bit about what they should be looking for when they approach the body of water. So, you know, as far as some of the presentations that I really like, Terry, uh, you know, starting off with a jerk bait, that's one of the best things that you can do real, real early in the year, right, as, right after ice off. Uh, jerk bait is going to be an excellent way to get out there and cover a lot of water, Terry. Uh, you know, the colder the water in general, however, I'm going to tell people the longer the pause with that jerk bait. So when when you get out there right after ice off, you know, this, this next couple of weeks, you want to really, really concentrate on, on, on working that jerk bait and allowing that thing to sit suspended and pause, Terry. Uh, don't work it real hard. Don't work it real erratic. Mess with your cadence a little bit. You know, some days they may want it moving just a little bit faster on shorter pauses, but you definitely want to mix in some really long pauses, Terry. And when I tell people long pauses with the jerk bait, you know, sometimes it's, it's a minute, maybe two minutes that we're sitting there letting those baits suspend and pause like that. Terry. So, uh, you know, long is definitely, you can almost not pause them too long, Terry, this time of year. Um, you know, now some of the other baits that I look at this time of year, Terry, as the water just starts to warm up a little bit and these fish are, are, are beginning to move around, Terry, uh, I'm looking for presentations that have real, real tight wobbles to them, Terry, real, real tight vibrations to them. So things like a lipless crankbait, that's an excellent presentation to try out this time of year. Uh, that tends to be the second kind of presentation I throw after I'm throwing jerk baits to start the year, Terry. Uh, ripping that lipless crankbait, allowing it to fall, ripping it, allowing it to fall, trying to make contact with the bottom, trying to make contact with the grass that's going to start growing in. Uh, that's an excellent way to t- trigger those reaction strikes, especially for a large this time of year, Terry. So that's got a real, real tight wobble and throws off a real tight vibration, um, you know, and has it has a lot of sound to it. So it's an excellent way to trigger those fish and kind of lure them in. Now, other other presentations, Terry, that I'm going to look at for for tight wobbles, things like that. I'm going to be throwing a lot of crankbaits when I get going to start the year, but it tends to be that I gravitate towards the flat sided crankbaits as opposed to the round, bulkier crankbaits, Terry. And that has to do with that same kind of a tighter tighter 
wobble when you work those flat-sided crankbaits through the water. They, they run a little bit tighter. They throw out a little less vibration than the, than the big, bulky body crankbaits. So those flat-sided crankbaits are definitely going to be something I'm looking for, Terry. And then the other thing that I really like to throw early in the year, Terry, and this is a presentation that's been tearing up the bass world for the last few years, especially really early in the year, you know, all these elite series events that have been going off and some of the MLF events that have been going off. We've seen a lot of guys doing a lot of damage on this kind of a presentation. That's going to be a chatterbait, Terry, or, or they also call it a bladed jig. So those chatterbaits are excellent presentations to get out. They just want to reel them real, real slow, real early in the year. You know, you don't want to do a whole heck of a lot with them. They're going to vibrate. They're going to have a real tight wobble to them. They're going to throw off a lot of sound. Just reel them fast enough to keep them off the bottom, kind of tick the rocks with them. If you're in and around grass, you're going to want to just kind of steer it up over the grass a little bit. But, but that's an excellent way to get those largemouth to bite early in the year, Terry. No, you're absolutely right. And I got to tell you, the jerk bait, and I want to go back to that. A couple of years sure. ago, Karen just had some pictures come up on Facebook that we had a fairly early spring, and we were out, I think, three times in, in the boat in March or maybe including early April. We didn't catch a number of fish every time, but we caught fish every time. We caught giant fish every time. That And it wasn't just bass. We caught huge smallmouth. We caught nice walleyes and huge trout, too. Almost every one of the presentations you're talking about here, no, I don't fish the uh, chatter or the bladed jig enough to give you a report on that. I wouldn't probably throw it for walleyes and trout, but that doesn't mean they won't hit it. But the others you mentioned, you'll definitely catch all those species. Yeah, they are kind of universal as far as targeting, you know, different species. The jerkbait's definitely going to put you in a hunt for a variety of species. There's no doubt about that. It just may depend on how you're working it, you know. So, in general, the trout are going to want that jerkbait usually moving a little bit faster than the walleyes or the smallmouth will this time of year or the largemouth carry. So, that's something you can mess with when you're when you're throwing the jerkbait. That lipless crankbait, uh, that'll that'll catch everything that swims as well, Terry. There's no doubt about it. So, walleye, smallmouth, largemouth, trout, just about everyone will eat that lipless crankbait. Now, that chatterbait you, you were asking about, you know, that is a multi-species uh, lure. There's no doubt about it, Terry. We've caught walleyes on the chatterbait. We've had trout really blast the chatterbait. There's no doubt about it. And we catch catfish in Boyd. Quite often, they come up and bite that chatterbait as well. So it's not just a largemouth presentation. It'll work for smallmouth, trout, walleyes. You know, it's more about when and where as opposed to what, Terry. So all those presentations will really put you in the hunt. Now, this time of year, Terry, pretty much for all of these fish, you know, as you're approaching these bodies of water, I'm going to tell people that it's really important to get out there and try to find the warmer water, Terry. Now, some, some things that you can look for to try to locate that warmer water in any of these bodies of water, Terry, uh, if you can find any of the riprap, anything like that, or any kind of a concrete structure, maybe a spillway, or maybe it's uh, somewhere like Boyd where there's a whole bunch of private little boat ramps that run into the lake, all those hard bottoms, all that concrete structure, when we get these sunny days like this today, Terry, that stuff will warm up and it will absolutely warm the water right in and around it. Uh, the Sail and Saddle Club on a lake like Horsetooth, for example, that concrete structure and, and spillway that they have coming off right there and all the riprap and rock that's right in front of the Sail and Saddle Club, that stuff warms up. And a lot of times, just that little corner right there can be three, maybe four degrees warmer than the rest of the lake, Terry. So those are some of the things we get out and look for. We look for some of the warmer water. We're also going to be looking at some of the flats 
some of the some of the flatter open expansive areas on these bodies of water like Boyd, those flats will warm up a lot war a lot faster than the main basin on a lake like Boyd. So we're going to be looking for fish to be moving up out of the main basins, kind of staging themselves on some of those transition areas, some of those slopes and in the channels that run up into those flats. And as the water warms, they'll start to disperse in amongst those flats, Terry, because that water will be warmer than the rest of the reservoir. So get out, you know, work your way around, cover a lot of water this time of year, and really pay attention to, to your electronics if you're fishing from shore or, or, or if you're fishing from a boat. And if you're fishing from shore, visually look for some of that stuff, Terry. Look for some of that concrete. Look for some of that rock. A lot of times that's going to be where you're going to find the fish this time of year, Terry. All right, Ronnie, it sounds great. And I think everybody's got cabin fever and wants to get out of here. Get out and do something. I'm going to get out of here and do something. The sports guys are showing up. So, Ronnie, I will talk to you again very soon. All right, Terry. You have a good one, buddy. Thanks. Ronnie Castiglione with Fishful Thinker. And in studio, we have with us, we have John. And How you, you doing, Terry? I'm doing well. You guys, you guys will be coming up pretty soon. Now, I got a minute or so on my time before I steal a minute of yours. All right. <laughs> and the, I want to know. What do you think about where the Broncos did right now? How do you grade them? Well, Orlando always calls me the super fan, so I tend to get excited, and, and I get I get the orange orange and blue glasses on. I, I love what they've done. Uh, these these are positions of need. These are quality guys. These are experienced guys. They didn't blow it all on one big name just to be splashy. It looks like they tried to maximize the value for the money they were spending. And they've got they've got if you include Joe Flacco, they brought in four quality guys from the outside. Now, if you look at what they've done at cornerback, right? Um, does that eliminate now having to take a cornerback in the first round of the draft? We'll see. Um, I, I, I I would think so, but you know, Chris Harris Jr. That contract is up. Elway hasn't fully not up. It's up in a year. Right. Elway hasn't fully committed to the re-sign. At least he hasn't told us that. Truth be told, I expect them to get him re-signed. And, yeah, no cornerback at 10. I think you're going to probably be seeing tight end, middle linebacker, maybe defensive tackle at 10. Uh, all right. We got to run. We'll turn it over to you guys. Um, folks, uh, next week I'm going to be gone on assignment, working hard down in uh, some nice warm climate. And uh, Will Dykstra will be filling in, doing the show. He always does a great job from Tightline Outdoors. So make sure you tune in. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. But don't go away. Stay right here because there's going to be lots of insightful information as uh, John and Orlando are going to have sports. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top and, and more sports on 104.3 The Fan. Sorry, I sold about 30 seconds.